0: Well, hi, everyone, and welcome to the Dr. Linda Mental Show. I'm your host, Dr. Linda Mental, the Relationship Doctor, and I'm here along with my co-host, the other Dr. Mental, my husband, Norm. As you know, every weekend we're here, we're doing life together, and we're so glad that you've joined us.
1: And we're so glad you're still a horse. What's <laughs> up with that? I thought that would be over by now. I am
0: not getting past this this sinus thing. It's frustrating. I can't sing either, which makes me kind of crazy in church.
1: Well... I know how it feels. It's my fault you have it. I know. So you did give I, it to
0: me I, <laughs> initially. So
1: let's just go with that. I'm okay, sorry. We'll get I have, there. I have no regrets, but, uh, you know, what? Yeah, we're,
0: it's, it's okay. It's okay. We'll get there. We'll get better. You'll hear me like I normally sound. Okay. Soon.
1: Soon. On a related but different topic, you know, I've spent a lot of time in my life in the media. Do you remember that song that Pharrell wrote uh, for the movie Despicable Me Too. In fact, actually, I didn't know it was a movie. I just knew the song because he did it on The Voice, Happy.
0: Yeah, I remember the song completely, but you're right. I didn't know that came from a soundtrack. That was just completely escaped me. He might have won an award or something from that. Well, he did win an award, and uh, the song was just called
1: Happy. He won a Grammy for it. Wow. Remember, it clap along if you feel like happiness is the truth. Clap along if you know what happiness is to you. Clap along if you feel like that's what you want to do. He's posing a question to us in the song, it seems like to me, like, do you know what happiness is? Well, we're about to find out. And if you like it, clap along while you're listening at home. <laughs> <laughs> Which
0: could be a little awkward because we don't have any music to clap to, but well, yes. They can just applaud. <laughs> yeah. I, and when you were saying those words, I wanted to sing them. Normally I would have, but I got to wait for that. All right. So good things come to those who wait, right? Right. But that does song does make me feel happy. And I think it's true that we all want happiness in our life.
1: You know, I was thinking about it. happiness is so much a part of our cultural DNA. Mm. The founders of our country, even in the 1700s, wrote it into the Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. They are endowed by the Creator with certain unalienable rights. Among these are, here it is, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I guess one issue here is, well, how do you define happiness?
0: That's a great question. Um, it's a state of contentment and satisfaction. And it's a really active experience. When you're happy, it's just hard not to express it, right? We we sing, maybe we clap, we laugh, we smile. But we'll see later, Norm, that there's a difference between fleeting feelings of happiness and true happiness. In fact, Christians and non-Christians would probably agree that happiness is a great goal for a lot of us to have, but we may disagree on how we would best reach that goal. So we're going to look at what the Bible says about finding happiness, because it's very different than what our culture tells us makes us happy.
1: I was thinking over the past decade, there have been so many articles and books written about what makes people happy, and all of them are looking for answers on how to achieve this desired emotional state.
0: There actually is a very good study that was done by Harvard University, and they claim to have found the answer. Really? Yeah. Now, spoiler alert, the study doesn't go far enough, nor does it tell the whole picture.
1: (laughs) Well, our listeners may not know this, but Harvard University, of all places, as you said, has been running one of the longest studies on human happiness. They began it in 1938, (laughs) right? making it also one of the most in-depth studies on human life. Today, did you know, only 19 people from the original study remain alive.
0: Well, that's a long time, starting in 1938. But here's what the study found in terms of happiness, and it may surprise you. It's not your physical health, although that is certainly important, and it allows us to participate more fully in life when our health is good. It's not money. It's not fame, social class. IQ, or even power. Hmm. Are you ready?
1: It's how good you look.
0: No, it's not that either. It's our relationships, which in turn have a powerful impact on our health. Hmm. So think of healthy relationships as your personal prescription for a better life and self-care and a key to happiness.
1: Well, it's a good thing you're the relationship doctor, so you can help us with this. That's right. Why relationships? Because we certainly hear about many other things, as you mentioned, that should make us happy. Commercials tell us a new car will, or a dream job, or a great vacation. The list goes on and on.
0: Well, it's because relationships really impact us in profound ways, much more than a new car does. I mean, I know everybody gets excited when they get a new car, but that doesn't last too long. No,
1: until the first bill comes.
0: then (laughs) Then you're happy is quickly gone, right? But our relationships have to do with the way that we're wired, Norm. Our brain is wired to be in relationships. God made us this way. Even God, who is three in one, is in relationship with Himself. Mm -hmm. So, relationships are part of God's creative design, and the brain really thrives on healthy ones. Good relationships protect your brain as well as your body. And healthy relationships protect us from deteriorating mental and physical health. We just flourish in community and in relationships.
1: Well, to your point, I was just thinking community. That's how Jesus picked his 12 disciples to be with him during his ministry time on earth. He didn't really need them. He was the son of God. But he built a small community to have intimate fellowship with these folks and prepare them to establish his kingdom on earth and his church. So Jesus believed. His followers should be in relationship with one another, and then, of course, in a church community.
0: Well, oh, That's such a good point. Okay, so let's do a little self-analysis based on another finding from the Harvard study. In terms of aging, people who were most satisfied in their relationships at age 50 were the healthiest at age 80. Hmm. So think about your relationships, whether you've arrived at age 50 or beyond that age or you're on your way. Right? How would you rate your relationships? Because according to this study, attending to people and others is greatly going to improve your life.
1: Well, that was certainly brought home during the pandemic, yes, right? when yeah. so many people struggled with loneliness. And we know loneliness is a killer. And you've certainly told us that loneliness has the same impact on your body as smoking or alcoholism. And that's messing with your mental health, of course. So, yes, we came through a challenging time when we saw how important relationships are to happiness. Now, the Harvard study also had some additional findings about marriage, right? It
0: it did. It did. They said that marital satisfaction is also protective in terms of your mental health. It's one of the most important relationships, after all. Happy marriages are like medicine as we age in terms of our mood and even decreased physical pain. You know, I know when I was writing Living Beyond Pain, healthy interpersonal relationships were a factor in decreasing people's personal and physical pain. Hmm. Also, in terms of marriage, women who have secure attachments with their partners, which just means they have a really good relationship with them and they feel safe in those relationships – they show less depression, and they have better memory functions as well.
1: No, God designed you to have better memory. You guys never forget anything. I don't anything. Know. I
0: don't think I don't know that that's true. <laughs> Sorry, there's a
1: little marriage joke there. That <laughs> fascinates me, though, about how the mind is so connected to the body and emotions and then works through our relationships.
0: Well, so the message is, as long as you keep what marital researcher John Gottman calls A positive sentiment override in your marriage. And all that means is that when you look overall at your marriage, it's more positive than negative. Then even you're going to have happiness, but get this, even your memory is going to get better. I think that's a good benefit.
1: And happiness in the Bible isn't dependent on circumstances. It has to do with the meaning of the words bless and blessed.
0: Yeah, and we found some background on this from biblical scholar Jonathan Pennington. And his writings really helped us make sense of how the Bible views happiness. So, Norm, explain this to us and give us a little Hebrew and Greek lesson.
1: The Old Testament word for this is ashray. It means, literally, well-being or flourishing and happiness. So, this word is often... Translated into our English Bible as blessed. Ashray is used in passages like in Psalm 1. It starts out with blessed or happy or flourishing is the man. Ashray is the man.
0: Okay, how about in the New Testament?
1: Well, the same formula works for ashray in the New Testament, but the word in Greek is Makarios. Matthew's account of Jesus' most famous sermon, of course, is called the Beatitudes, and every verse, remember, begins with blessed are, Mm -hmm. happy are, flourishing are, the pure in heart. So, makarios are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Makarios are the peacemakers. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, it does. It
1: does. So, the Bible's very intentional in the use of words like ashray and makarios. God makes an appeal to true happiness and flourishing through obedience within the gracious covenant He's established with His people. It seems to me the Bible's telling us that true human flourishing and well-being can really only be found in a relationship with God and through alignment with His kingdom.
0: And Pastor Apologist Tim Keller makes this point in his classic sermon, The Search for Happiness. This is what he says, Here is the irony. The less you're concerned about your happiness and the more you're concerned about Him, God, the happier you get. This is not a trick. You can't say, oh great, I have it. I come to God and I say this and then I say this and this. You cannot bandy with the omnipotent and the omniscient Lord of the universe. Aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you get neither.
1: And that's what happens in all the messages we get from advertisers who try to appeal to us to be happy. And worse, you and I have often noticed there's a common message, we deserve to be happy. Mm -hmm. Now, that doesn't mean we don't have desires, but here again, the focus is different than the Bible's perspective.
0: If we look at Psalm 37, 4, it says... Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. This implies that delighting yourself in the Lord is the desire of your heart. Seek happiness in Christ, and you'll find it. And as you explained, Norm, blessings, like happiness, are always a byproduct of loving God. Whenever the blessing becomes the focus, you lose the blessing, and your love for God is distracted. When you love God— over the blessing, like happiness, you get both.
1: So that true? Well, happiness, apart from a desire to please, is not a goal to seek. And on that thought, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, more on finding true happiness on The Dr. Linda Mental Show.
0: What do Thomas Jefferson, Agatha Christie, Pope John Paul II, and Princess Diana have in common? Well, these notable individuals and many others, past and present, share the habit of journaling. Hi, I'm Dr. Linda, the Relationship Doctor, and I've got some tips for you on the value of journaling. Whether you're just writing down a few thoughts or pouring out your heart on paper, journaling has some real benefits, like getting a handle on your emotions or a better understanding of other people or even organizing your priorities. Sometimes reading your older journal notes will help you appreciate the sweet little details of life you enjoyed but maybe have forgotten. One of the best benefits of journaling comes when you look back and you see how the Lord has been there in all your circumstances, directing your steps and taking care of the things that matter to you. If you've not considered journaling before, give it a try and see which of those benefits journaling might bring your way. Uh Hi, I'm Dr. Linda Mintel of the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. And I'm Dr. James Cribbs, and we co-authored a book, Living Beyond Pain. If you're one of the 100 million people suffering from chronic pain, this is a book for you, Living Beyond Pain, in stores now.
1: Welcome back to the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. Just a reminder, you can always follow Dr. Linda on her social media, Twitter and Instagram at... Dr. Linda Mental, and on Facebook at Dr. Linda Mental, author and speaker. And of course, you can always listen to our podcast anytime on MyFaithRadio.com or your favorite podcast platform like iTunes. Just search Dr. Linda Mental podcast or go to MyFaithRadio.com. Before the break, we talked about happiness as a byproduct of loving God. You, Linda, read Psalm 37, delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. I want to clarify, if I can, about that verse, Mm because it seems to me that uh, if we seek to be happy in God, He's going to give us whatever we want. Mm. There's so much bad theology around this verse and this topic. God doesn't just give us whatever we want just because we ask Him or beg Him. You've heard the saying, he's not a vending machine.
0: Yeah, that's such a good point. But God does want us to realize his goodness in our everyday life. We don't have to wait for heaven to see the blessings of God. They're all around us. And Norm, often happiness comes from just rejoicing in God. So the point is, it's not about things or what he can do for us, but it's rejoicing in who he is.
1: You'll be happy to know that James agrees with you. (laughs) In chapter 5, he said, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful, happy, let him sing praises. Mm -hmm. Rejoicing helps us recognize the connection between our happiness and the presence of God in whatever is happening around us.
0: Which, when you think about it, really speaks to our identity in Christ. We can be content and experience happiness because we know, another powerful verse here, neither death nor life neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future or any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ our Lord Jesus. Boy, this is the confidence of knowing who we are and whose we are that brings us true peace and happiness.
1: There can be fewer verses in the whole Bible that speak to that confidence. I mean, if you don't believe that, then stop reading. You I know, know that I, is I,
0: such a powerful scripture, isn't it? Nothing, that, God is saying, nothing, nothing can separate you from right. who I am and my love for you.
1: And we believe that to be true. Hey, when you think about a wedding, you know the bride is beaming, happy because she's about to become one with the groom. The two are about to declare their love for one another and be joined together. Brides and grooms are happy people. And it's this metaphor Jesus uses about the church. Let's be joined to him and find our identity in him.
0: Okay, so you brought up the word joy. So let's talk about the difference between joy and happiness. You
1: know, those are two words, happiness and joy, that are often interchanged. But I don't know that they really mean the same thing. In fact, I don't think so. They are different. God promises joy, but he never promises happiness.
0: And if we go back and we think about what happiness is, it's an emotion that just like sadness or jealousy or fear, that comes and goes. You might be happy about something, but you're not going to be continually happy all the time.
1: Right. Well, now you made me think of another Sunday school song. I'm in right, I'm right. I'm trying to remember the words of the song. I'm happy all the time. There, I remember that part of it. (laughs) But it was tied to that last line of the first. It said, since Jesus came into my heart.
0: I know. I, I, I would sing that song because I remember that song. We sang it a lot in Sunday school and it always bothered me because I thought I'm not happy all the time. Now Jesus came into my heart and he can bring joy. But what we know is that it's really about God's joy. It's not that you're going to feel happy all the time. That's unrealistic. Mm-hmm. Joy is a lasting state of being. Joy is promised by God and something we should expect in our walk. Hebrews twelve two states, "...for the joy set before Him, He endured the cross, scorning its shame." and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Wow,
1: think about that. Jesus knew how cruel the death was that was waiting for him. But because of his sacrifice for us, he tells us that we can have joy in our eternal life that's waiting for us after our death. The constant knowledge of our salvation and God's love for us will undoubtedly give us joy if we'll focus on it even in present circumstances that aren't ideal or aren't making us happy.
0: Yeah, And in Romans 14, Paul wrote, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. I saw that joy, Norm, on my dad's face when he was dying. Yes. He knew he was about to see his Savior, and he was smiling, and he was joyful. It was so powerful, And so reassuring. And it was such a powerful moment for our children to see. That
1: whole week that we spent with your dad before he died uh, just became more and more peaceful and more and more joyful.
0: And it it, it is a weird thing to say to people that my dad's death was actually a beautiful experience. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know how much I love my dad and how much I miss him even to this day. So I don't mean that, uh, I don't, I don't feel the loss and I didn't, you know, feel the grief tremendously. But he really gave me and our kids and our whole family really a gift the way he died because he was, he was having moments, I think, of transitioning by seeing the Lord and he just constantly was smiling and joyful. And we would sing all these old hymns. I we sang for about two or three days. We sang all the hymns of the church and he was so funny, Norm. He would say he would say, I say, Dad, what do you want to sing? And he would say, You start it. Yeah, And then I'll just join in. But right. he didn't know the names of them. But when we started singing, he knew every word. He did. And he's not a singer, as no. you know. <laughs> so it's so funny because everyone in our family is very musical, except for my dad. He used to joke and say, I play the radio. <laughs> when we talk about what instruments we played or our singing. But he wanted to sing. He really wanted to. He did. Um, just He was worshiping the Lord. And as he would sing... He would get these smiles on his face, and you'd, you'd have to know my dad because he's this kind of gruff German guy who was not very emotional. right? No, he and wasn't. there was a sweetness that was just around him and in him through that entire week that was something of wonder to me, and he was joyful during that time.
1: Well, it's, it's as if all those years of joy that he didn't express suddenly came out. Because he felt free. You're right. There were so many fun things. I wrote a bunch of them down on my phone. You did. One of the funniest things for me was he woke up and he says, Linda, put my shoes on. And now he hadn't walked in years. And
0: he was in a wheelchair. Yeah. He was in a wheelchair at that point. And,
1: <laughs> and you said, sure, Pop. Why? He goes, because Jesus needs me. He I need to help him with something.
0: Yeah, he was getting ready. He was. And, and he, Yeah. So uh, there is this joy. I think that experience really made it clear to me and to the people in that room that despite your circumstances, I mean, here he is at the end of his life, and he was dying. But he was having such joy because he knew what was coming, and he knew he was going to see his his Savior face to face.
1: Well, we know joy is a constant state (laughs) in heaven, that's for sure, and I think he was having a preview. Yeah. The good news is that we can also have joy now while we wait for that day. Psalm 16 says, You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right
0: hand. So what you're saying really is that joy is possible now. We don't have to wait until heaven to get that. And it's even possible when we don't feel happy, right? Because we're promised salvation and eternal life, which is cause for great joy, even in the midst of pain and unhappiness. It really helps to keep this perspective. It does.
1: And here are a couple more perspectives I think we should keep in mind as we think about happiness. One is to put others before ourselves.
0: I love this one because Paul talks about this in Acts 20. He says, you yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we might help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said himself, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And this reminds us that the way to happiness is not through selfishness, but actually selflessness. Mm-hmm. Paul is telling us to serve others, and in the process, we will feel happy. It's one of the blessings Jesus promised in that Sermon on the Mount that you mentioned before. It is one of the things he said. It is more blessed to give than to receive.
1: And we know that people come out of depression many times when they begin taking the focus off themselves and begin to serve others. Think of the last time you served someone. How did you feel? Usually there's a feeling of happiness, maybe even delight and joy.
0: And as you do this, the scripture tells us that a happy heart is good medicine, so you are blessed with the other people that you're serving. That's what we call, I'd say, a win-win.
1: Yeah, indeed. Well, as we wrap up the show, our main message today is that happiness is found in a life with Christ. We contend that this is why so many people are searching for things to make them happy, and they won't find them in things, because it's in relationship with Jesus that true happiness results.
0: So you can pursue happiness, but remember, how you pursue it matters. True and lasting happiness will be found in Christ alone.
1: Right, And we also know and confirm that keeping all of our relationships strong and healthy is a great strategy. That brings happiness as well.
0: When relationships share the bond of Christ, it prompts us to treat each other with respect, knowing we We are made in the image of God. It prompts us to love, to care for others, to treat others well, apologize for wrongs, repair problems, and work to reconcile with each other. Jesus tells us to love God and love others. The greatest commandments involve relationships. Psalm 92.13 says, Plant it in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. So plant yourself in God. Allow His love to flow in and out of you to others and cherish those around you and live in shalom or peace with one another.
1: Linda, please close out the show praying this wonderful prayer we found for happiness.
0: Lord, I long to know and experience happiness in my life. I'm not talking about shallow pleasures. Those come and go. And the wrong kind leave us empty and unfulfilled. The happiness I desire is so much more than skin deep. It's bigger than my circumstances, larger than my emotions. I want the kind of happiness that trusts you, obeys you, and follows you regardless of where that path leads. Amen. Well, that's all the time we have today. Many thanks to our producer and my co-host, Norm Mental, who makes this show a conversation, and our technical producer, Katie Sims. From all of us here at Faith Radio, hey, we'll talk to you again next weekend. In the meantime, remember, we're doing life together, and it's better when you don't have to do it alone. Well, thanks for listening to this conversation from the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. These podcasts are available because of listener support. You can make a gift now at myfaithradio.com. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and helping us grow the impact of the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. Also, take a moment to subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or your podcast player, and you'll never miss a show.